0: You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you would like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. Well, um, you join us today, as I was saying earlier on, on the second Sunday of our 100 days of prayer here at City Church. Um, and during this season, it's just felt really appropriate, I guess, that. As we're devoting ourselves to prayer in small groups, uh, in smaller communities, as we gather on uh, various occasions during the week, as individually we devote ourselves to prayer, it's felt right on Sunday mornings to start us off by looking at the... um, And he's starting to get a name for himself and started to attract quite large crowds. And out of necessity, really, one day he decides to go up a mountain, a hill, uh, and, and, and speak, I guess, for the purposes of being heard well, Um, and he delivers what has become known as the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew. And right at the very centre of this sermon, we find the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus likely repeated this sermon on a number of other occasions actually, because we find a, a slightly shorter version of the lord 's prayer in Luke, so he probably went on teaching this prayer to people as his ministry developed so so here is the lord 's prayer. or oh, it was before my iPhone crashed Wow, look at that you 've got a <laughs> a sneak preview, (laughs) and we will see you next week. So here is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We've been using a translation um, which is by the scholar N.T. Wright. It's quite similar to the one that you might be uh, aware of and know from from Sunday school or from school assemblies, but it's got some of the words slightly changed, slightly altered, differently translated. There are loads of different translations of this available, so so we're going to be using lots of different ones. But for today, this is the one we're going to be using. Um, And I'm going to ask Maria just to come and slowly read this for us. Uh, And uh, and if you just bow your heads and just spend a little bit of time just getting your heart still in the right place, Maria's going to read this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honoured. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. As in heaven, so on earth. Give us today the bread we need now. And forgive us the things we owe as we too have forgiven what was owed to us. Don't bring us into the great trial, but rescue us from evil. Thanks, Maria. So there are a number of ways that we could approach this prayer. Um, In the context of our 100 days of prayer, one of the key questions we might want to be asking of this text uh, and of ourselves, I guess, is what does it mean to pray the Lord's Prayer. So not to analyse it, not to pull it apart as some kind of doctrinal statement, not some kind of literary product. We're not in an English lit class here. How do we better develop a sense of how this prayer shapes our prayer? And as part of this, we probably want to start by drawing attention to the way that Jesus sets this prayer up, the way he introduces it. And he does it actually in slightly different ways in the two different versions that we have of it and I think that's important. So let's start by thinking about the way that Matthew and the way Luke set this prayer up or put the words into the mouth of Jesus that he says before he starts praying the prayer. In Luke it says when you pray say our Father. In Matthew pray then like this our Father. What are these two subtly different intros tell us? Well, I, mean, I guess Luke's way of putting it strongly suggests that our prayer life should contain the saying of these words. The word say is, is kind of speak or talk or pronounce. Some might even say recite. Matthew, on the other hand, invites us to pray like this, I guess in the, in the manner of this prayer. He's not specifically suggesting the actual words need to be used at all times, but it gives a strong sense that the manner and the way and the spirit of the words is it's quite special and quite unique, and we should use them. Now, you might come from a variety of different church traditions. You might be used to the way this prayer has been used. You may not be very used to the prayer at all. There are probably a few wrong ways we can use the prayer, but there are lots of right ways. But Given the way that Jesus introduces the prayer in these two different ways, I guess I want to encourage us to dwell on that and think about it, not not sell ourselves short with the the marvellous, incredible words of the Lord's Prayer, not gloss over them flippantly. We should caution against the idea that the words of the Lord's Prayer are just a template, you know, they're just a, a kind of good illustration of what good prayer kind of looks like. It's a set of sentences which have some helpful components we might want to think about. You know, it's they, got worship in it. Oh, that's good. Tick that box. It's got a request for need. Oh, that's good. Tick that box. It's got something about forgiveness. Yeah, definitely tick that box. It's not so much that the Lord's Prayer ha- is, is a kind of a template or a structure or a top 10 tips um, for, for, for sort of, uh, salvation. It's, it, it's, it's kind of that this prayer opens a way of us presenting ourselves to God, appearing before him. And it can then spark off all other types of prayers. And so I think with the Lord's Prayer, we should probably recite it on occasion. We should sing it, we should set it to music, we should shout it, we should whisper it, we should meditate on every single little phrase, we should meditate on every single little word. We should jump off the exact words into our own words of extempore prayer. Many other imaginative ways of using this prayer. I guess what I'm saying at the start here is this is a very, very deep prayer and we're not likely to run out of its depth anytime soon. So let's keep on using it. Let's keep on uh, sort of kneading it into our lives of prayer. In a sense, some people have compared the Lord's Prayer to the national anthem. It's like the national anthem of the people of God. Got me wondering whether the Sex Pistols ever did a version of the Lord's Prayer. I, I, I don't think so. It's like the national anthem that we might use that that kind of offers us a, a sense of a belonging, of community, of a central part of who we are. And so we're going to consider the second section of the Lord's Prayer today. We're going to be considering the section which says, May your kingdom come, may your will be done, as in heaven, so on earth and we're going to ask ourselves two questions of the Lord's Prayer. First of all, we're going to ask ourselves of this section, what are we praying for? When we see these words, what exactly is it that we're praying for? And then we're going to ask ourselves, well, how should we pray it? How should we pray it? So let's start by thinking, what are we praying for? Let's think about the idea of God's kingdom may your kingdom come I guess for some of you probably a variety of things come into mind when you hear the phrase the kingdom for some of you you might be totally none the wiser about what that might be it might sound a little lord of the rings or game of thrones perhaps so because the word kingdom of God or or the, the phrase kingdom of God the phrase kingdom of heaven sometimes those phrases actually appear on the lips of Jesus probably about 100 times in the gospels it was probably good to have a sense of what we're talking about when we say the kingdom of God, when Jesus teaches us to pray that the kingdom would come. What, what is he referring to? What does he mean by the kingdom? The kingdom is a phrase that Jesus uses to refer to something big, something ginormous, something which is the goal and the culmination and the aim of his ministry, really, of his life and God's plan the kingdom is at the heart of the reign of god and it's the unquestioned the final the decisive the no challenges no competitors rule of the divine being a state of affairs where his perfect loving good kind merciful intentions for the cosmos are fulfilled in their entirety. So it's a place where there's no shadow, there's no unfinished business, there's no imperfect regrets, there's no unhealed wounds, there's no unresolved matters. The kingdom is pictured as the most authentic and truest expression of the manifestation of who God is. The kingdom is, in a sense, a dominion. It's a place where God rules and where he reigns, And it is the activity of him ruling and reigning. And the kingdom belongs to God in its entirety. It is his kingdom. Ownership belongs to him. You may remember from last week, Al pointed out, the Lord's Prayer keeps on circling back to the words, our and your, our Father, your will be done. This section is totally God-directed. When it concerns the kingdom, Your kingdom come, your will be done. It is God-directed. And we need to understand two paradoxical truths about the kingdom of God as Jesus preached it, and they are these. It's come. It's to come. This is sometimes expressed by saying that the kingdom is now and the kingdom is not now. Yet, it's somehow already started, but at the same time, still on its way. This is a paradox you can really only get your head around once you start diving into the shape of the Christian story. That story starts, as all good stories do, at the beginning. The world created by God, inhabited by God, at one with God. In a sense, Eden, the Garden of Eden, is all kingdom through and through, it's totally filled by the kingdom. But the turning of humankind away from God results in, in a world in which there are some places where the kingdom isn't present. Places of death. God still roams earth and heaven. He still does what he pleases. He still has a right to turn up at any and every place. But heaven is now the only part of the created order where the kingdom holds sway universally. Until that is Jesus turns up on the scene, preaching right from the very first words in Mark chapter 1, the kingdom of God is at hand. And as Jesus lives his life of healing and compassion, as he dies an other-centered, self-denying death, as he rises from the grave and defeats death, The shafts of kingdom light have very obviously now started to break in. The advanced troops who were set to reconquer the world have obviously landed on the shores of this earth. And as he ascends to heaven, Jesus leaves his disciples with a cast iron promise. He will return the same way they saw him leave. And at that point, the victory will be finally complete so here in 2021 it's come it's to come and it's 2022 (laughs) this means the kingdom of god is not such a thing that we hope for in heaven actually that's not the locational place of our hope we're not trying our level best to get us up there in order to experience it. It is a thing which is already around us and among us, and yet we're still waiting for the fullest expression to appear out of heaven and fill the earth. As soon as we start reading the gospels, we can't fail to miss the hints, the rumors, the whispers, often the foghorns that the kingdom has at a moment in history and geor- geography appeared here on earth. In such a way to give us certainty, it will one day fill the earth from top to bottom, from east to west. It's come, and it's to come. The, the wonderfully named Ben Witherington III, who for me sounds like, like a king himself, he puts it like this, heaven is a place, God's kingdom is the condition of that place. God's kingdom is in part the condition of the life of believers on earth, and one day God's kingdom will fully encompass both heaven and earth. Or to use the words from Revelation 11, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. So as we pray the Lord's Prayer, may your kingdom come, It ceases to be a petition to God that we might grab some heavenly perfectness for us poor souls here on earth. It becomes a rich prayer for the return of Christ, for the resurrection of the dead, for the final culmination of history, for the end of all things. We pray this prayer with a faith based on God's track record of raising his son from the dead, his track record of already inaugurating the kingdom to which the final touches are yet to come, but there's no doubt that they will because Jesus is alive and raised from the dead. Let me make it as clear as possible, praying may your kingdom come when you don't know or believe Jesus is raised from the dead is optimism praying may your kingdom come when you do know or believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, that is Christian faith. That is what it means to be a Christian and pray this prayer. The light of God's powerful bringing of the kingdom through the resurrection, which we one day look forward to him fulfilling in the resurrection of us all. So this prayer is not an exercise of faith in faith it's faith in a quite astonishing yet historically rooted event, the resurrection of Jesus, by which we can now start to believe that our future resurrection, the kingdom on earth as in heaven, is possible. Not just possible, certain. If there was no incarnation, no crucifixion, no resurrection, no ascension, and no sending of the Spirit, there will be no kingdom come. But there was so there will be. It's come, and it's to come. Eugene Peterson says this, many people want to go to heaven the way they want to go to Florida. They think the weather will be an improvement, and the people decent. But the biblical final destination is not merely heaven, it is new heaven and new earth. It's not a nice environment far removed from the stress of the hard city life it is the invasion of the earthly city by the heavenly one we enter this final destination not by escaping what we do not like but by the sanctification of the place in which God has placed us all so how should we pray it this is what we are praying how should we pray it How can these words shape us as we pray them as a church in our 100 days of prayer and beyond? If we accept that sometimes just the words themselves recited have a power to shape Christian discipleship, But then also the words can themselves be used to jump into an imaginative journey of all types of praying, of corporate praying, individual, sung, spoken, drawn, danced, acted, etc. How can we mine and tap into all the rich resources of praying? May your kingdom come. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. How do we ring all, for all their worth, these incredible lines from the Lord's Prayer. How do we get out of them the goodness that they contain? Well, many ways. Let me just give you three things. There are many more. Let me give you three things I think will help you to use these words as prayer. I want to talk and encourage you to observe, to yield, and to desire. Firstly, to pray these words authentically, we need to work on our powers of observation, of noticing things, of taking note of things. We need to open our eyes and minds to the very real prospect of the kingdom as a lived and tangible reality here on earth. To start with what we've already noted, the resurrection of Christ was an early, tangible blood and flesh demonstration. And indeed, the Christian life often starts with waking up to its realities. But all around us, because the kingdom has come and is to come, there's evidence of its effects. It's healing power, it's freeing action, it's liberating work in the world and in the church. To pray these words from the Lord's Prayer will involve openness, to be on the lookout for the kingdom of God, to observe it, to notice it, to take note. There is a way of praying, may your kingdom come, as if presently it were totally absent. Guard against this. As we pray these words, stir your faith by meditating on and considering the signs and works we see around us. The very evident ways God's kingdom is an active component of life here on earth. We start by banking the resurrection. We bank it as a a finished, completed, wonderful act of the start of the kingdom. We we, we proceed by thanking God and giving him glory for the kingdom breaking into our hearts. If we call ourselves Christians, something has happened and transformed us within. And actually a little bit of heaven has in that sense invaded this little bit of earth. But we then move on creatively to praying for the things we observe around us. I'll just give you some personal examples of how I might do that. If I was saying to myself, come on, pray for the kingdom of God. I would think about the time at university when uh, my friend Nick became a Christian and the time God broke into his heart after praying for him. I think about the, the day that Beth and I found out that we needed three grand to pay the deposit on the on the mortgage. Uh, and, and the day after that, we got a check in the post for one and a half grand. And the day after that, we got a check in the post for one and a half grand. I, I remember a few weeks ago, feeling sheepish and guilty at a prayer meeting when I realised I'd not witnessed or told someone about Jesus for just like, ages and spending a long time praying God give me an opportunity this week please please give me an opportunity just to share my faith with someone and then spending half an hour telling my hairdresser all about Jesus and giving her the gospel of Mark totally opportunity just opened out that week I think about the time when we asked for a certain York City church deacon to join our church and he emailed us a couple of weeks later with exactly the same thought. I think about the time that we asked God the crazy request to give us the building you are sitting in now and a few months later he did. As we call these sorts of things to mind... They feed our prayer that God's kingdom may come on earth as they do in heaven. They're not blind optimism that some things might go right. They are recognising and giving God glory for the fact that he is at work. Sometimes in life, it is very hard to see evidences of God's kingdom. You might be in that place right now. Perhaps for you, facing whatever horrors or distresses or groaning life has thrown at you, Maybe signs of the kingdom are lacking. God knows you're in that place. He is gentle with you. He loves you so much. His heart is tender towards you. He's not asking you to become an uber spiritual oddball who sees the Virgin Mary's face on every passing bit of toast. He sees just how hard life can be. How hope is sometimes so hard to drum up. How the kingdom, to be honest, sometimes just seems to be on mute. Remember, he too has seen the blackness of hell and despair. He too has been to a place which is the very antithesis of the kingdom on the cross. I want to encourage you if you're in this place not to give up observing noticing and stirring your heart with faith in the past and present work of God's kingdom mustering whatever you can muster to pay attention to where God is at work we went for a family walk yesterday uh, in the freezing fog of a Yorkshire January And the hedges of the suburban semis near where we live uh, and surround us were covered with incredible frozen spider's webs. Here's a picture. Literally thousands of these all around our village. It's known as Rime, apparently. And one of the kids asked why the spiders would all come out and made webs when it was so cold. And, of course, the reality is the spider and their webs... Well, they all along. But it takes the presence of a particular type of weather to see them. Jesus compared the kingdom to hidden yeast, to a tiny mustard seed. Take heart. Observe what's there unknown to you. Notice it and celebrate it. Secondly, to pray these words authentically, we need to yield. The press says, may your kingdom come, may your will come be done. The prayer of yearning for the kingdom of heaven has an inbuilt submission and yielding to God's way of doing things. Back in Jesus's day, the kingdom wasn't politically neutral. Um, In Matthew 11, Jesus says cryptically, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent want to take it by force now don't have time to unpack precisely what was going on here. Just one example of how Jesus taught the kingdom was coming in the way God wanted it to, not necessarily the way that Israel wanted it. So the idea of the kingdom, our opinions on what coming to earth as in heaven might look like, they must at all times be placed in submission to God they 've got a conditionality on them. we shouldn 't overclaim. We must recognize how limited our view and knowledge of the workings of the universe are. For us in city church here i don 't see much grabbing and manipulating and violence of the idea of the kingdom to force that kind of agenda of dominance. Thank goodness. For us, I, I think the idea of god 's will most relevantly shapes our prayer life by calling us to non anxious praying. So out of our prayers for instance for for the coming of God's kingdom through care for creation or for justice, for healing, for salvation, for an end to violence, for racial and gender equality, out of those prayers we're passionate, we're committed, we're yearning but we continue to be yieldful, resting, trusting in God. We pray prayers rooted not In late modern angst or Western guilt, but in a strong calling to participate in what God is giving us, not what project we can co opt God onto. We pray, Thy will be done. And then, thirdly and finally, to to pray these words authentically, we need to learn to desire the kingdom. I said earlier on, there's a way of praying, may your kingdom come, as if presently it were just totally absent. But there is a way of praying, may your kingdom come, as if presently the job is completely done. In theological language, this is having an overly inaugurated eschatology. To put it simply, this is living as if Christ had already returned. We need to look actively forward to the day Jesus comes again and puts things right, not confused with what we see around us now with what the perfect will be then. If it seems that all is not as it should be, as if the kingdom is currently on mute, God has left the building, lean into that, pray with yearning, present to God as petition. All we know will be the case when Christ comes again. All that is currently the case that you see around you and ask for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We're desiring creatures. We are what we love. All of us, whether you might think otherwise, deep down we're lovers. Our fundamental factory setting and default mode is desiring. And the Christian deep down, have assurance of this, deep down you as a Christian have been made a desirer of the kingdom. So don't suppress that desire. Find ways to stir it up. In your hearts, in your prayers, as you pray the Lord's Prayer. Let me tell you a few things that have helped me desire the kingdom. First of all, you might be glad to hear the Bible. Passages like these, possibly too small on the slide to see, but think about stories of the kingdom in the Gospels, in Mark, about abundant harvests growing 30, 60, 100 fold. Think about treasures hith- hidden in a field and pearls of great price. Think about the book of Isaiah with its visions of the future kingdom, the wilderness blossoming and coming into flourishing think about what we see in Revelation, the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Dwell on these passages. Start to desire the kingdom through them. Creativity also does it to me. You know, There's a number of works of art and some films and some books which bring me to a place of longing for the kingdom of heaven. Music especially, I think, is God's gift to us here. Find your version of the middle movement of Ravel's piano concerto and press it for all it's worth in desiring something precious, desiring the kingdom. And finally, hearing that other people in totally different context to me, totally different circumstances, or, or often much more challenging than what I find myself in, finding that other people too are desiring the kingdom. Have, have, have the desire in them to see God come and are faithfully praying it. This week in the office at City Church, we received an email which was sent to church leaders in our network from a pastor in one of our partner churches in Ukraine. And you don't have to hear the headlines that much at the moment to know that that's a very troubled place at the moment. This is what that pastor said. Please pray for priests in Ukraine. We love our country. We love it to continue. Ukraine has been a spiritual source for many surrounding countries. We've sent many missionaries around the world from here. Please pray for strength and faith. If if war breaks out, the situation changes, we'll need a lot of strong and faithful people. They'll continue to serve. Please pray for our people that God would strengthen them. And then the ends. We believe that the kingdom of God can spread in all circumstances And so we ask that you would join us in prayer. Together we can go through different and very hard times. We can do everything with God. You know, the fact that in some city and in some context and under some pressure, I can't even begin to imagine someone else is feeling the draw and the certainty and the desire and the propulsion of the kingdom of heaven fills me with great joy. And it makes me want to pray too. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. As in heaven, so on earth. We finish today by coming to the table, by the foretaste of the kingdom in the bread and wine. We're going to finish our service here today, but as you come to the table... And as you take these things to yourself, why don't you pray inwardly, pray with all your might, muster what you can within you. May your kingdom come, may your will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Amen.